Hola mundo. Hello world. Welcome to the spoken sound. My name is Marcelo Sosa. I'm going long again with story. It's fun. And in these days of isolation, an interesting and entertaining way to spend some time, both reading out loud and listening to a story read. Here's the setup. Chapter 7 from a novel entitled The Last Sandoval, which I'm currently peddling to agents. It's about a shell-shocked 20-year-old Latinx writing in a diary from a shack in a state-sanctioned shanty town in a near-distant future, 2077, where she has lost her beloved mother, as well as her aunt, uncle, and maternal grandparents, to the consequences of a too-slow-to-come-to-Jesus climate-blind industrial plutocracy. With only her memories, her diary, and her great-grandfather Leo's 75-year-old on the run from a post-9-11 witch-hunt journal as her guides, Tess writes, reads, and remembers her way from the numbness of an anesthetic new reality to a sense of hope and love and bone-deep feeling where they had each been frozen senseless. The characters in this chapter, Tess Sandoval, Leo Sandoval, her great-grandfather, Mama, Aunt Sarah, and Uncle Aster, Tess's friend Jules, and an old fart nemesis named Gil Brainer. Tess's diary and Leo's journal alternate through the chapter and book. While these transitions are clear in the book through font changes, they may not be in a recording, so at each transition I'll name the character whose voice will follow. Chapter 7, Tess, May 18, 2077, Sunday morning. I've been up about an hour reading Leo's journal. He makes me agitated, Leo does. Makes me feel. It's a dangerous thing, feeling, because it makes you want to be. It makes you want to reach deep inside and pull yourself out of all the insulation and scream to the world, this is me. I am real, I am flesh and blood and bone, and I feel, I care, I love. It's dangerous, because feeling has almost been forgotten. At least it seems that way to me. Leo. April 4, 2003, 7.25 p.m. Highway. La Ruta. I-80 westbound. Looks the same. Lo mismo westbound is east except that my left is their right and the other way around. And they're coming, and I'm going. I suppose that's why the highway was chosen for my flight. You don't stand out. Even this old jalopy pickup, smoking tailpipe and all, doesn't stand out because there are dozens more just like it, sliding across the concrete slab, east to west, west to east, back and forth, in and out. My eyes have begun to hurt. Y mis orejas. My entire head is tight, hemmed in, glazed like a donut. 
I should be used to this by now. I'm tempted to get off this endless blur of gray nada. Pennsylvania is so beautiful in springtime. Que maravilla. The back roads call to me. There's still some country left here. Hills and forests between little towns where cars go slow and people walk about, feet touching the ground, noses in tune with the scent of fresh lilac and hydrangea. Too risky, medicine. I may still be known in these parts, still identifiable off the beaten highway. I'll get off in Ohio, find a substation, as they call them, and check up on you, Itumama. Make sure you're safe. Maybe even send you a note, if possible. Tess. The neighbors just got up. I can hear the morning voices accompanied by the tin can greetings of a talking head on the TV screen. Half the lot must be up by now, getting ready for church. Only they don't call it church anymore. They call it community time. The establishment's version of religion and, as Astor put it, a distinctly American brew of PR, sales, fellowship, and relaxation. And it's fun. I have to admit, all these families get together under one big roof and play games, sports, share meals, or just socialize. Every now and then the congregation huddles in the chapel to talk about God, Jesus, and Bible. But the main thing is fun. My friend Jules is big on community time these days. She makes a point of being seen cooperating with others and participating in just about every public event it offers. Mama used to say that music was the essence of the human soul and the only true religion. Not just the music that comes out of saxophones and trumpets and vocal cords, but music. The rhythm of being of knowing and not knowing, of trying and growing and sharing. The rhythm, she would say, of mind and spirit. Something only humans know about because we made it up. It happened to us alone, and we've got to feed it like a little baby or else it'll starve and waste away. Leo. Even the sun seems to run away westward. He tries to hide now, sneaking over the wavering lip of the horizon. I write from the center of a still dormant cornfield, a perfect rectangle of six-inch stubble dangling off the edge of a rest stop. I can see where the sun is going and where it came from because I sit on a rise in the center of the rectangle, one stray human follicle sitting cross-legged parallel to the highway, enjoying a tuna fish sandwich and a bag of pretzels. I watch the sun retreat. Dark now, but for a million stars and a moon perched like a glow ball above a lonely oak tree. How many moons have seen this tree? How many wandering souls like my own have been drawn to the comfort of its gnarled roots to lay among them in a sleep fit for children, a serenity fit for mother's arms?
The tree stands along the eastern edge of the cornfield. Beside it runs a barbed wire fence. Beyond, a small pasture, a barn, two sheds, and a house. They look almost unreal in the moonlight. Still lives propped up like models in a showcase to ease the monotony of passers-by. But they're here. They're real. I can tell by the sounds of crickets and bullfrogs, the yap of a coyote, a dog howling in return, the smell of hay and fresh-cut grass, manure, the nicker of a horse rippling against the constant stream of traffic, far away, so close. Tess, far away so close. That's where happiness lies, I like to think. Where Mama lives now, and Papa and Leo and the rest. So close I can almost touch them, except that I can't reach. I can't see, can't find my way amid the rubble of my soul. It seems so unreal so fragile and relative, like an egg without a shell, with just that soft, skin-like lining to hold everything intact. It was simple for Mama. She needed so little because she contained so much, and she carried it with such transparent ease. She couldn't help but be happy, because she lived within her means and gave within her capabilities. Esther and Sarah were different. They needed. They needed reaction. They needed to see their effects on the world around them. They needed to see the changes they were fighting for, see them now in full color, larger than life reality. Mama didn't need to see the changes so much as she needed to feel that they were happening. And that alone was enough. May 20. I remember Astor at a fall festival jazz concert in the brand new Platte Three Park bandshell. Astor, trying desperately to get our attention, still burning from the sting of his parents being taken from him, and the whole society of people shuffled around like animals from zoo to zoo, landing in this bizarre anesthetic tin can slum of a neighborhood. He'd been worried at how people seemed actually to be relieved and comfortable there after the misery of the transition. The band had taken a break. It was just before dark on a crisp autumn evening. A hundred people milled about, sampling food from local vendors, wasting quarters on wing tosses and dart games, getting palms and taros read for free. All those people in one place within earshot of the amphitheater speaker system it was too much for poor Astor to bear. Hey, everyone. Great to see you out here, unstuck from those tricky TV and computer screens. Free to think and feel for a change. A sudden hush drifted across the park grounds. A hundred heads turned toward the amphitheater. It was like the whole place had stopped to take a breath. Astor went on about communication, 
how the establishment, with its grip on the internet and social media, had cornered the market on communication. And then the hush was gone. Fifty, sixty, eighty heads turned back to where they'd been facing. Uncle Astor's voice, loud and clear from the onstage speakers, seemed to flap like a tattered flag on the breeze. The band took up a background beat, Mama humming softly. I sat on the grass just off stage, me and Jules sipping snow cones, mesmerized by the words and their accompaniment. I knew it was dangerous, Astor's speech. I felt the warmth of all those bodies behind me retreat like wave water from a shoreline, cold and spent. There used to be community radio shows and websites, remember them? Used to be, if you didn't like them, you at least had the choice to not listen, right? But now, well, it's listen to what you're given, do as you're told, toe the line, right? I sat watching while my snow cone dripped onto my knees and the bodies behind me slowly moved away, leaving a great empty space to swallow Astor's words. Free thinking is gone and we're all left standing in the dark with no idea what's really happening out there. I sat, snow cone sticky, watching Astor watch the crowd slip away. I imagined him turning to me and asking in his customary way, What's the story, Tesita? Que cuentas, eh? And I couldn't think of a single thing to say. You know what I mean? People, they're taking everything away. Our families, our homes, our identities, our dignity. It was only when he stopped talking when Mama and the band stopped humming and playing behind him, that I noticed Jules had slipped away as well. Esther was arrested that night, along with Mama, Sarah, and the rest of the band. I was dragged along since there was nothing else to do with me. They stuck Astor and Philly Frank, the trumpet player, in a group cell with a bunch of drunken gamblers arrested for vandalizing a riverboat casino. They stuck me, Mama, and Sarah in a small holding cell with bunk beds. We couldn't see Aster from where we were, but we could hear the gamblers, who'd been informed by the guards about Aster's activism and sexuality, poking fun, pushing him around, slapping and harassing him for hours, Sarah screaming and hurling herself against the bars until she could no longer stand. Esther, of course, tried to reason with the gamblers, to draw them out of themselves, to take a peek at the world around them that was making them sicker than he, his sexuality and activism, ever could. Philly Frank was left alone until he tried to stop the guys about five minutes into the shit show. The cops let us go the next morning with warnings and taunts of their own, and lots of paperwork that would forever label us as agitators. Astor's face was swollen, his shirt blood-stained, and he could hardly walk for a pain in his lower back. Frank was bruised, angry, ashamed, and humiliated beyond speaking. It wasn't the first time this had happened. 
nor would it be the last. It was a weird, sad time for us. It was a shameful time. But Astor and Sarah survived the darkness of that particular night. They gathered themselves up with pride, hope, and a dog-eared determination to change the world, no matter what it threw at them, no matter how it stood against principle, logic, and the fight for human justice. Mama said they were the bravest people she knew. Brazen, pompous, high-minded, academic, and cynical, but, oh, so very courageous. So honest and true to living. Esther and Sarah. Mama, Papa, Leo, me. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm just plain wrong feeling the way I do about things. About everything today being so shallow and half-assed. Maybe I'm the shallow one. Times do change along with people and perspectives. But it all seems just like Leo described it 74 years ago, only magnified. Like everything grew fast and furiously, but never shifted along the way, never stumbled, never paused to make the most important adjustments. I wonder if Mama felt that way too sometimes. Especially after the petrol wars when we got moved out to the Wikiaps and Platts. I know she felt squeezed and twisted and confused about the way the world was changing, just like I did. Only she was so much better at dealing with it. Even later, after Astor and Sarah disappeared, she'd say, Tess, try not to judge people too harshly these days, okay? We all do what we feel we need to do. We react to things in el momento, now, ahora, is all around us. And it's so big and loud and demanding that we forget about the history and future all around it that we can learn from and move toward. We hardly get a chance to think about it. And we don't unless we push ourselves beyond ourselves and into something more elastic and comfortable. And she got even better at that, not judging people, than she had ever been before. She even defended old Gil Brainerd, a neighbor from the inner-city row house days before the great transition, who never liked my family and eventually caused us about as much damage as the establishment itself would come to do. He used to watch us from his front porch as he read the paper and chain-smoked cigars, keeping tabs out of the corners of his eyes in case we went too far with something, like decorating our own front porch with weird found objects, or singing, dancing, laughing, and telling made-up stories. He hated that about our family. Hated our sense of happy freedom, starting in the row house days and continuing as best we could keep it up through the great transition, making what we could out of a bleak, homogenous situation. He was obsessed with law, order, and by-the-book precision in all things human. We were random-shaped pegs against the perfect squares and circles of his box, and we simply did not. He's the same now, 
right here in Plat 3, living not two blocks away from where I write. I can't stand the man. It hurts to know he lives so close, that he's alive and well, smoking his cigars and smug as ever, while my whole family's gone because of him, because of people and attitudes like his, intolerance like his. But Mama would defend him. She'd say he was just dealing with the times the only way he knew how. It hurts just talking about him. But I guess I can't avoid it. He was too big a part of all this to ignore. And he's still around, still present like an open wound that needs to be dealt with before it gets infected. Gil Brainerd was afraid of people like Mama, Aster, and Sarah because he dug himself so deeply into the groove of his own momentum that any other was either inconceivable or just plain unacceptable. He misunderstood their intentions, especially when the wars hit and so much started to change without warning. He thought mi gente part of the tidal wave turning everything on its head when all they were trying to do was keep some sort of a balance, appeal to people's hearts and souls at a time when hearts and souls were being erased by the cold reality of a technocratic world. He called them agitators. They called themselves alternatives. With a plat three alternatats, Astor once announced in a newspaper interview. All we want is to bring music to the plat. Live music, you know. Something you can see and touch and feel outdoors, under the sky and stars. But old farts like Brainerd couldn't handle it. Called it subversive. Thought the whole place would go up in flaming riots if people loosened up and tasted the wines of inner motion and human spirit. I think he just wanted everything to stop. To stay one way, whatever that way might be. But just to stop. Humanity, my love, Mama said, explaining away old Brainerd's behavior has forgotten how to dance and sing to the rhythms of the elements, the ebb and flow of time and space. Esther and Sarah, of course, had been less forgiving than Mama. They had no patience for Gil Brainerd and his kind. They expected people to change, demanded it even. I don't know which way is better to be Compassionate like Mama, or just plain passionate like her siblings? Or how about a combination of the two for good measure? Maybe I'll go to church, let off some steam, take a swim and sauna. Leo's deep inside my heart where he's always been. I can feel him in there, poking, prodding searching the armor for a way out, and I want to help. I really do.
This is the spoken sound of Marcelo Sosa. I'll be back when next I'm back. Volveré a la próxima. With something more to say, to feel. Another slow acknowledgement of being human. From the inside out and the outside in. Hasta entonces, que se cuiden bien.